0: Is that a sorcerer's stone in your pocket, or are you just happy to be listening to The Quibbler Podcast, the Harry Potter book club for rock hounds?
1: Harry Potter. See what I have become, mere shadow and vapor. I have form only when I can share another's body, but there have always been those willing to let me into their hearts and minds better save your own life and join me or you'll meet the same end as your parents
0: i'm alex dallenberg
2: and i'm heather price right welcome to episode six of the quibbler
0: here we are the end of the book
2: the end of the road
0: of well the sorcerer's stone the
2: beginning of a very long road ahead but the end of the sorcerer's stone how do you feel Great. I loved these chapters. This
0: was a roller coaster of emotions. Yeah,
2: rereading, even for the 50,000th time.
0: It's like falling through a trapdoor into. <laughs> A into devil, your feelings. Into a devil's snare of your own feelings.
2: Yeah, this one's going to be long, and it's going to get weird. So before we get started...
0: <laughs> it's going to get weird?
2: I feel like these chapters get weird. Yeah.
0: All right, well, before we get started, what do the listeners need to know?
2: Well, this podcast will contain adult language. It will contain spoilers, especially because there's are the last two chapters. Get ready to find out what happens. And it will contain adult themes. This week's adult themes are... Oh, there's some doozies, y'all. If you see something, say something. Substance abuse. Evil head tumors. Attempted murder and manslaughter. Biting off more than you can chew. And of course, Albus Dumbledore.
0: Albus is very adult.
2: Yeah, he gets his own adult theme. He's
0: not safe for work, yeah. ever.
2: Yo, his behavior is, is a doozy. <laughs> <laughs> the end of this year book. So, what happens?
0: Well, everything happens in these chapters... Exams get underway at Hogwarts School for Witchcraft and Wizardry. Students have to turn, is it hedgehogs or mice, into snuff boxes for some reason? Uh, I don't know who on the staff has a snuff box thing, but that's a thing that they do.
2: Clearly Dumbledore. Yeah,
0: Dumbled- <laughs> the Dumbledore's Lexantique like uh <laughs> these are Make nice sure, yeah. snuff boxes. <laughs> Make sure those snuff boxes are dropped off at my office after exam, <laughs> please. Anyway. Uh, <laughs> so there are animals turned into snuff boxes. Not clear what effect that has on the animal. Uh we're off on a crazy tangent here, because that's the least important thing that happens in these chapters. Harry, meanwhile, lives with the existential terror of the fact that Dumbledore, I mean not Dumbledore, Dumbledore is terrifying but he's terrified of Voldemort bursting in on him at any time based on what he learned from the centaur in the last chapter. Forenz is the only one who's ever filled Harry in on really anything up to this point. It suddenly dawns on Harry that Hagrid probably gave away the secret to getting Class Fluffy while he was getting wasted with a stranger at the Hogshead Inn. They find out this is true and then resolve to go down the trapdoor themselves. They're confronted with a series of crazy obstacles. Harry eventually, after many adventures in the depths of Hogwarts, finds that it's not Snape trying to steal a stone, but Quirrell. Quirrell is looking into the mirror of Erised, funny how that's at the uh, end of the maze. Quirrell's like, I see myself getting the stone, I don't know what's happening here. Quirrell does the villain thing where he reveals his secret plan and everything that's been going on. We hear a scary voice from inside Quirrell's turban. It's like, use the boy. We find out Voldemort's been living parasite-like on the back of Quirrell's head. Voldemort says some scary things. A struggle ensues. Quirrell tries to strangle Harry, but he's burned to death. Harry blacks out, wakes up. Dumbledore and him have a serious-ass talk about love and the nature of Voldemort and... You know, book endy stuff. There's the end of the year feast. Slytherins win the house cup. Dumbledore's like, "Psych, Gryffindor won because of adventure." And then everyone goes home, and Harry's forced to return to his abusive aunt and uncle. And that's uh, where we are. So, so exams.
2: They start. Yeah, we'll the, start with exams. It starts in like the most banal way because they're just taking tests.
0: But it's uh, how does Harry get through his exams worrying about Voldemort?
2: Harry passes. Yeah, man. Blows my mind, man. Harry is a genius. He
0: is excellent at compartmentalization.
2: Right. He's getting no sleep because he's having horrifying nightmares. (laughs) His scar hurts all the time. Like, Harry is in a bad way. And Harry gets through his crazy wizard tests which are incredibly subjective and poorly constructed and
0: seemingly random yeah they have to make a pineapple tap dance
2: that's so cute i love flitwick flitwick has a real sense of whimsy
0: flitwick's just sitting around thinking you know what i think would be funny this year for tests <laughs> tap dancing pineapples here's the
2: thing i find cute yeah.
0: if wizards had youtube that would go crazy viral it's so true it would say look at the test this awesome teacher made his students do you fucking upworthy yeah man. It would would be
2: the other thing about Flitwick I mean you can see his sense of whimsy in the challenge that he sets up in the not the Chamber of secrets the challenge he sets up in the cave of wonders. No, of, it's a
0: cave of terrors. <laughs> in the
2: cave of terrors with one
0: wonder. It's not really in a dungeon. In the, kind of in
2: the dungeon of horrible.
0: Just secret anyway, hallways of hell. Yeah, in
2: the secret hallways of hell, Flitwick's charm is like really cute. Like those flying keys are real. They're like really pretty. And the description of them. I know I'm jumping ahead a little bit, but Flitwick is just an aesthete. Flitwick just likes things <laughs> to be like really, really cute and like well made and like happy dancing. Pineapple is so cute. And then he makes these gorgeous wings for these keys. I don't know. And he does
0: the Christmas decorations. Yeah, I'm really... He's the guy on staff. He's the teacher on staff that is... He's like
2: the queer eye for the wizard guy. He
0: does the door decks in the dorm.
2: No, but it's more than that. Like, he's the one with, like, he's got style. Anyway, you were saying about exams.
0: We always think of Hermione as the superior student. Right. And she is. Obviously. But... Harry has to pass exams having all this shit on his shoulders, you yeah. know. Yeah,
2: although I mean, I would argue that Hermione kind of knows this takes too. Like, right? Well, she shares she's it. She's also pretty stuff, and she does not- a lot
0: of emotional labor to support <sighs> to support Harry. Oh my god! And Ron, so she's kind of propping them both up. But Harry has a lot on his mind. He
2: does more than they do. You're and right,
0: he, and he knows that as
2: the chosen one, right, Voldemort's he's like- coming
0: for both for everyone, but. Harry especially coming for Harry. That's true. The other weird thing about exams is this is a weird throwaway line of the book, but apparently it's stifling hot in all the exam rooms because we're on the cusp of summer. So wizards don't have air conditioning or electricity, but isn't there some kind of cooling charm, AC charm? No. Like, refrigeratus? <laughs> Coolatus? I
2: feel like part of the, like, wizarding experience is extreme physical discomfort at all times. <laughs> Every Everything that they undertake, they don't wear comfortable. Well, I guess robes are comfortable. Yeah, no. I like, Robes
0: aren't comfortable. It's 90 degrees in the exam hall. That's true.
2: Like I said, it's, like, really medieval in a lot of ways. <laughs> yeah, they have no AC. So just take your exams in the... 100 degree heat. That
0: sounds terrible.
2: It does not sound as terrible as uh, what follows, however.
0: No. I mean, nothing could be as terrible as the hallways of hell.
2: So, Harry figures out... Because, honestly, Harry's a genius. Harry figures out. Hagrid really obviously told the hooded figure... Where have we seen that before? Uh, In the (laughs) The Forbidden Forbidden Forest. Forest. Hagrid obviously... got wasted and told the hooded figure who gave him the dragon's egg all about Fluffy and that like comes down to Harry uh, like a bolt of lightning as it were. We find out that yes, indeed, Hagrid told all the secrets once again and this brings me to, I know we talked about this last episode, but a major concern. Hagrid's drinking is kind of a throwaway and like a in in all the chapters it's like Hagrid's like oh I don't know he kept buying me drinks so I don't really, really remember much of it. Hagrid needs to be in treatment. <laughs> Hagrid puts the entire wizarding world in peril because of his alcoholism. Like I'm sorry like in AA you talk about Rock Bottom I think. Hagrid honey this is it. Telling Voldemort how to get the Sorcerer's Stone that is the story <laughs> you tell. Hello, I am Rubeus Hagrid and I am a wizard alcoholic. Once, in order to win a dragon's egg, I let a stranger buy me fire whiskey for six hours and I revealed the secrets that would shatter the wizarding world to its very core.
1: Hagrid sidled through the door as he spoke. As usual, when he was indoors, Hagrid looked too big to be allowed. He sat down next to Harry, took one look at him and burst into tears. It's all my ruddy fault, he sobbed, his face in his hands. I told the evil git how to get past Fluffy. I told him it was the only thing he didn't know. And I told him you could have died, all for a dragon egg. I'll never drink again. I should be chucked out and made to live as a muggle.
2: Every drunkard says they'll never drink again. That's a really real experience, Hagrid. we like, get help, honestly. Yeah, he's
0: got demons. No, he's
2: got demons. But one of his demons is an obsession with literal demons, and Not demons. Ne- well, okay, one of his demons is his monster thing, and another of his demons is stop drinking, Hagrid.
0: <laughs> it's the only monster I can. Also, tame. maybe. <laughs>
2: Maybe the reason his food is so fucked up is because he's always wasted. It's like, you know when you're drunk Is a stoat
0: sandwich amazing hangover food, maybe? No, no,
2: no. But you know when you're, like, drunk and you come home and you're like, I'm gonna just pour ketchup inside this, like, baseball helmet or whatever. And, like, then I'm gonna dip chips into that. I've never done that exact thing. But I feel like drunkard food is what Hagrid makes. Or, like, he burns all his cakes all the time because he's just fucked up.
0: I- I did come home once to my apartment in college, and I don't know how this happened, but the roommate, who didn't last long, was rolling around on the floor and in the pot, there was some spaghetti, but it wasn't cooked. It was all, actually was cooked underneath the water, but then there was this mushroom cloud of blackened, hard noodles. It looked like an atomic explosion. And all the burners were lit.
2: <laughs> that's what Hagrid so keeps Hagrid. trying to serve yeah. to them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so um, really, like Hagrid needs to get into whatever treatment program is available for witches and wizards.
0: So Hagrid is not much help to Harry in this very difficult time, and neither are any of the other professors. They talk to Hagrid. They realize that whoever is trying to get the Sorcerer's Stone now has the critical piece of information to solve the first task. They go to McGonagall when to talk to Dumbledore. Dumbledore has been whisked away conveniently on an errand. So they tell McGonagall that someone's trying to get the Sorcerer's Stone. And she, maybe she believes them, but she kind of gives them the brush off.
2: Super dismisses them. At very least, I feel like she should like reassure them that she's going to look into it. Yeah,
0: or it's just, she's like, okay, I'll send Dumbledore an owl.
2: At this point, also, she knows them well enough. To know that they're not going to let sleeping three-headed dogs lie.
0: No. Is she still pissed at them for being out of bed?
2: Yeah, no, she clearly is. And it's like, I actually understand the like quandary she finds herself in. It's funny reading this as an adult because I feel like, oh, that's a weird move for a grown-up. But I remember reading this as a kid feeling like, grown-ups never believe you. Like, that's a really real right. experience of childhood. Yeah. And especially of kind of pre-adolescence and early adolescence, like, grown-ups are not taking your incredibly real experiences seriously. And this is like a really good magical world analog for grown-ups being like, it's not that big a deal, you're fine. And you're like, no, this is, I'm a person, these are real experiences and emotions, please pay attention to what I'm saying to you. And grown-ups don't.
0: Even when confronted with pretty solid evidence that there's been a serious intelligence fail, basically. Oh yeah, oh yeah.
2: Grown-ups aren't listening. Um, But the other thing that happens here is that Harry, and this is kind of the beginning of a really intense and important journey for Harry, Harry kind of has this moment where he figures out that he is essentially alone. He gets a lot of support from Ron and Hermione, especially when they go down the trapdoor, but they initially are kind of like, I don't know, like Harry is the only one who kind of gets the stakes right away.
1: ''Well, that's it then, isn't it?'' Harry said. The other two stared at him. He was pale and his eyes were glittering. ''I'm going out of here tonight and I'm going to try and get to the stone 1st ''You're mad,'' said Ron. ''You can't,'' said Hermione. ''After what McGonagall and Snape have said, you'll be expelled.'' ''So what?'' Harry shouted, don't you understand? If Snape gets hold of the stone, Voldemort's coming back. Haven't you heard what it was like when he was trying to take over? There won't be any Hogwarts to get expelled from. He'll flatten it, or turn it into a school for the dark arts. Losing points doesn't matter anymore, can't you see? Do you think he'll leave you and your families alone if Gryffindor wins the house cup? If I get caught before I can get to the stone, well, I'll have to go back to the Dursleys and wait for Voldemort to find me there. It's only dying a bit later than I would have because I'm never going over to the dark side. I'm going through that trapdoor tonight and nothing you two say is going to stop me. Voldemort killed my parents, remember?
2: That speech by Harry just, like, moves me. Because Harry is just like, good luck getting the house cup. At post apocalyptic murder Hogwarts, where they only teach the dark arts, because that's what what's coming for you. And it just blows my mind because he's a child. He gets this like x ray vision to like what's at stake.
0: Well, he's seen Voldemort at this point.
2: And Voldemort has shaped his life so profoundly. I mean, it has to do with the, the sense of being a safe versus being an unsafe child. Like, neither Ron or Hermione has ever had anything so bad happen to them that they can imagine that the world can get as bad as it is. They both have really real concerns, and in no way do I want to like dismiss the experiences of Ron and Hermione because they turn out to be extraordinary allies to Harry, obviously. He could not do what he does without them in any of these books. But Harry is just like, yo, everything can end. Wow. You know? And they're kind of like, our lives here now are real and important. And he's like, yeah, but like, they are fucking fragile, yo.
0: But it's a credit that they listen to him. <sighs>
2: I know. That is a
0: powerful part when Harry says, I'm going, and Ron and Hermione both say, don't be stupid. We're coming with you.
2: Oh my god, it's so true. And it's honestly one of the things that J.K. Rowling does best. There's morals toward the end of the book. And not in an annoying way, but obviously like there's messages. And one of them is, your people are the people who hear you and believe you. That is all that matters. You don't have to be rich to be my girl. You don't have to be cool to rule my world. Your people are the people who say what you know What you feel, what you experience matters. We believe you and we're there. I'm sorry, I'm like making myself tear up because they're such good friends. I guess by Harry is alone, I mean, Harry is alone and also Harry is never alone. It's a really, really beautiful paradox in Harry's life.
0: But Hermione and Ron also challenge him and they challenge each other in important ways. They never go blanketly along with whatever Harry says. Mm-mm. And I really like what you said about how these books are a great template for how friendships can be mutually fulfilling and rewarding and save your life.
2: Oh my god, I'm like actually crying. Oh. I love those three so much.
0: You knew there would be tears at the end of at the end of the Sorcerer's Stone. It's so, so good.
2: <laughs> so as I was reading the end of this book, I was thinking about why... It took off. Uh And I think there are a lot of really obvious reasons. But one of the things that makes it work as the first in a series is you see a lot of growth in the main characters, and which I think sets readers up to trust this author to keep giving us more from characters we love. So they go through the trapdoor, and there's a series of puzzles. One of the things that the puzzles do is they allow each character individually to shine, and they show the ways in which this sort of basic character traits plus a year of growth and learning have turned these into really incredible kids. Yeah. And competent
0: witches and wizards.
2: Oh, yeah, which is really cool. So Hermione, her two challenges are the devil's snare and the potions.
0: Right. But Ron Ron has to remind Hermione that she's wicked smart during the devil's snare challenge. (laughs) Hermione forgets. She's kind of panicking. And Ron says, are you a witch or not? Right. You can make fire.
2: Oh, that's right. She says, but we haven't got any wood. And he's like, oh, my God. (laughs) We know she's book smart at the outset, but... What you see in Hermione is, A, the emergence of a flexibility and a belief that the rules are important insofar as they keep people safe and constrain insanity, but that there are rules worth breaking. Right. And there's these, a couple of really great scenes where Hermione is just like, "Ah, it's fine. We're going to do the right thing. Because I feel like Hermione gets painted in kind of pop culture, or maybe kind of more earlier pop culture depictions as just a goody-goody. But she's obviously not just a goody-goody because she goes on this adventure and she uses what she's learned in her sort of goody-goody day life to kick ass. (laughs) So Hermione really learns what's important. And you watch that growth in a really, really beautiful way. And then there's this one fucking line, oh my God, I cheer every time I hear it, (laughs) where they're like, oh, we could all get expelled. And Hermione's like, I got the best grade in history <laughs> on the charms exam. Uh, they can fucking try to expel me. I'm the best student at Hogwarts by a mile. And you're just
0: like, wait a fuck
2: use, yes, queen.
0: Way to use your leverage.
2: Exactly. No, that's the other thing. She is a model for women.
0: She's more than leaning in.
2: It's not that she's leaning in, it's that Hermione identifies the fact that she is. A queen She'd on be Earth.
0: Brutal in salary negotiations.
2: Yeah, she would be like, I'm sorry, that's your offer. That's pathetic. <laughs> Ugh, I love it. That I love it. So
0: that. excellent. Oof. And then Ron gets a moment to shine in the chess game. I don't know what else to say. It's cool that Ron is excellent at this board game. And he steps up and he sacrifices himself. He proves himself a true Gryffindor.
2: But he also does the thing that is scariest to him, which is essentially take himself out of the narrative. Ron lets himself not go further. Right. Because he knows that it has to be Harry, and knowing that it has to be Harry must be incredibly painful for Ron, because that's Ron's biggest fear. That's a white-knuckle scene. Oh, yeah. Like, when he gets knocked out, like, that is a truly terrifying moment. And you really, I mean, you assume he's going to survive... But again, it's real peril. To yeah.
0: so me, the wizard chess scene is the scariest of the challenges they face.
2: Absolutely.
0: Yeah. But, but the others trust him to command.
2: Yes. A, he gets to be in charge. Because the other thing they're really good at is friends. And I think this is another thing that's a model of friendship. Is identifying one another's skills and mm-hmm. not stepping on toes. But when Ron looks in the mirror of Era said, one of the things he sees is himself surpassing his best friend. And that's not made explicit, but that's mm, implicit. Yeah. When Ron sacrifices himself, knowing that this is Harry's story from here on out, I feel like that is Ron overcoming a really deep-seated fear.
0: I did not think of it like that.
2: Ron wants so badly to be the hero and to be the guy that comes out with the scratched face, Victoria's like holding the stone. Right. He wants to be that character in this story. And the fact that he gives that up with just not even thinking about it is him growing and being an extraordinary young man. Cuz we went into this and I was just like what is Ron's whole Yeah, thing? you're uh,
0: you're you're Ron skeptical.
2: Yeah, I forgot how great Ron is toward the end. I'm totally in the Ron camp.
0: I think you're going to go back and forth on on Ron.
2: Ron's a really complicated character. I appreciate that Ron is a really complicated character. He's a hard friend, but when it comes down to it, Ron figures out how to do the right thing in a way that a lot of people with Ron's struggles would uh these are babies they're so brave yeah, they're I'm 11, so proud of- they're oh
0: 11 by the way oh my god they're in fifth grade i know <laughs> i know so the construction of the puzzles they're all eminently solvable why is this why not build an impenetrable wall or something that you can't solve to protect the sorcerer's stone which is insanely powerful and could bring Voldemort back to life.
2: Right. If Dumbledore's actual intention is to make the sorcerer's stone impossible to steal, clearly Dumbledore is a powerful enough wizard to achieve that. We see that by the Mirror of Erised trick. Right. That is bonkers sorcery. Clearly he has the technology.
0: Also, let's be real. These are exceptional 11-year-olds, but 11-year-olds got past all your puzzles.
2: Your plant hates fire.
0: (laughs) You have a chess game that can be won.
2: Right, it's not an unwinnable chess game. You
0: leave a broom in the room full of flying keys. Right,
2: why not just make the keys fly and that's it? Or just don't have a key. What if you have, clearly, okay, first of all, (laughs) going back to an earlier quibble, it is possible to make an Alohomora-proof lock. Yeah. It's puzzles. It's not just obstacles. Right, they built in,
0: and he must have talked to the, can you imagine the staff meeting? Dumbledore's like, okay, we've got to protect the Sorcerer's Stone, but make sure you build in a weakness to each of your enchantments. And all of the teachers
2: are like, I'm sorry, we don't want people to get the Sorcerer's Stone, right? And he's like, (laughs) we don't want them to get it easily.
0: (laughs) It's pretty apparent to me that Dumbledore does want to make it possible to get the Sorcerer's Stone- that's That seems obvious. I think in true manipulative Dumbledore fashion, this is a trap for Lord Voldemort. He is trying to lure Voldemort to the stone. Like, what do you think?
2: Do you think it's a trap for Voldemort or do you think it's a test for Harry? I think the opposite thing. Ah,
0: I think it's both. I think Voldemort, as we, we're going to see later in the series, he loves theatrics and games and... And this is dramatic enough to entice Voldemort.
2: He's also baitable. A thing that Dumbledore knows about him. And that's a pretty classic villain trope. It's easy to press his villain buttons. It's easy to be like, na 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 na, I have this thing. And he's like, I'm gonna get it.
0: But it it would appeal to Voldemort, who we know is narcissistic, wants to prove himself a great wizard.
2: And obsessed with his intelligence and cunning. I mean, he's obsessed Mm -hmm. with his Slytherinness, and it is a Slytherin trap, for sure.
0: Yeah. Dumbledore is trying to draw out Voldemort to read his intentions. That's like mental, because you're running a school? Don't make it... (laughs)
2: Let's talk about this. Dumbledore's not running a school. Dumbledore is running an elaborate series of tests pitting Harry against Voldemort. The school is utterly ancillary. I don't
0: think the school's ancillary. I
2: think Hogwarts exists in Dumbledore's mind to contain puzzles in which Harry and Voldemort face off. So
0: you think it's also a test for Harry? Oh,
2: absolutely. I mean, among other things, Dumbledore allows Harry to see the Mirror of Arasad and teaches Harry explicitly, tells Harry how it works, and then, coincidentally, the day he moves it out of the room that Harry is obsessed with, he moves it into the chamber where the Sorcerer's Stone is stored.
0: Right, at the end of the hallway of hell
2: he gives Harry the invisibility cloak tacitly encouraging Harry to mm-hmm. get out there and make some mischief and it's interesting because Harry is a lot more kind of even killed and wise and forgiving about that than I would be and mm-hmm. I'm Hermione kind of speaks for me where she's like if that's true that is fucked and Harry's like I don't know I think he felt like I had the right to like face Voldemort and Hermione's like maybe not yet though
0: so I don't think my theory and your theory are mutually exclusive no, 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 at all I
2: think they are I think there are two sides of I, the I'll, same intention
0: I also think it seems like Dumbledore is trying to draw Harry and Voldemort together because he wants to see what will happen
2: he's like playtesting them yeah. for like the big showdown
0: and I think he might think that an encounter between Voldemort and Harry would kill Voldemort possibly I do wonder how much of this went according to Dumbledore's plan and how much of it was random. I wonder that too I, yeah, I, wa- I wonder how much he envisioned and how much
2: just played out just in played a way yeah, yeah. I wonder that too. Let's talk about Quirrell. Because we talked last time about how Voldemort's a really good villain in this book, which I still find true. I think the scene with, when, as soon as Voldemort becomes, Mm -hmm. like, Part of that whole scene, it's great. I hate that it's Quirrell, though.
0: Why do you hate that it's coral?
2: Because we don't know anything about coral. It's a big letdown because mm. there's no there's no buildup of coral, There's no characterization of coral, so the stakes are really low for him being the bad guy.
0: I think the letdown of coral is counterbalanced by the shock that it isn't Snape.
2: But I wish that they had been built in tandem a little more. Because, and here's the thing that actually it improves throughout the series because later on this red herring thing happens over and over and <laughs> over again I mean that's kind of her device and that's fine yeah, I mean, yeah. it's satisfying every time I mean that's whatever that's how mystery novels work it's mm-hmm. not a coincidence that she went on to write mysteries for grown ups. obviously having the like switcheroo thing it's great but what needs to happen is that you care about the person who it ends up being
0: coral's depicted as i I don't i
2: think coral is a nothing he's a total cipher i get i'm zero percent interested in coral as a character until the last scene
0: we'd like to see a little more from coral but you have the weasleys pelting his turban and i guess voldemort with Oh my snowballs. God! The Weasley throw
2: snowballs Balls at Voldemort. Yeah.
0: <laughs> no, Voldemort's been in all their classes.
2: That is fucking creepy. You're right. But
0: and Dumbledore probably knew this. But Quirrell. And he's, you know he's got the stutter. He faints and. But it's
2: all so broad strokes. Yeah. And so when it's Quirrell, I'm just like.
0: Right. Well, Harry and Quirrell never have a conversation outside of when they meet in the Leaky Cauldron.
2: I want the person it ends up being to have significance in Harry's life.
0: Quirrell is the first in a series of people who don't have a lot of self confidence, weak people who are attracted to Voldemort. Right. Which I find interesting.
2: I get why Quirrell went over to the dark side. Like that makes total sense to me. But for example, like Wormtail later on, there's so much more at stake right. with him turning out to be what he is. Because his deception is much more extreme. He's just empty for me. It's not that shocking that it's not Snape, because clearly Snape is going to remain an important <laughs> character. Like, Snape can't die. Snape is really obviously set up to go the distance in the books.
0: Right, right. What do we think about Snape?
2: I, it's so hard to talk about what we think about Snape after book one, because right. there's so much more to, to know. To
0: know and unpack. Within Um, the confines of the Sorcerer's Stone.
2: You know one piece that is really cool is when it turns out that Snape was muttering the counter curse. Yes, I agree. That's awesome. Because it's one of those things where you like, like it's in like Hamilton where she's like, rewind.
0: Mm
2: -hmm. (laughs) um, And you see the scene again knowing the truth and it's a much more interesting scene. So that perspective is cool.
0: Well, Snape's... Character is immediately complicated in the first book. He has the best. Oh my puzzle. god!
2: Yeah, the, his puzzle is amazing. I love when Hermione is like, she's like, "Oh, it's not magic; it's just logic," and wizards are crap at logic. And yeah, I just want to be like, "That's because y'all don't take math."
0: <laughs> Quirrell dies.
2: Yeah, Harry kills him with his hands. Harry. Harry
0: burns him to death. Harry
2: burns him to death with his love. What do you think about the like the love? of the 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 Harry's mother's Dumbledore's love Dumbledore's final thing. speech.
0: So, Quirrell couldn't touch Harry because Harry's mother's love is still protecting him. It gets at something I think a lot of us feel about the nature of love it's kind of it's unseen power or the way that it sticks with us
2: we've quibbled a little bit about not really understanding the mechanics the
0: uses of magic of
2: this particular world's magic one thing that is interesting and that Dumbledore gets to hear about magic in the wizarding world is that intention and state of mind are a really fundamental part of powerful magic. It's interesting because there's these, there's like spells and curses and charms and potions. Like there's things that you just sort of learn how to do that are sort of mechanical, magical skills. But it seems, and you learn this, the depth of your magical power seems to come from feeling in a way that's really cool.
0: And it can be unintentional. Right. Like Lily didn't cast a spell. No. It comes from something innate within you. Right. And I also like that this is something Dumbledore clearly doesn't have his head wrapped around entirely. There are these forces that are beyond the elements of magic that right. spring from the human heart that are fundamentally unknowable, even for the greatest headmaster that Hogwarts has ever seen.
2: One thing Dumbledore does know is that dark magic is fundamentally hollow. And a thing I appreciate this about this world is that Voldemort can do a lot of damage, but Dumbledore tells Harry over and over, Voldemort can't win because the core of Voldemort's magic is empty. Mm -hmm. He cannot use the most powerful tools that great wizards have at their disposal, which are the tools of the human heart. And the other thing he will always do is he will fail to recognize the power of wizards who maybe are less magically gifted, but who receive and give love.
0: I think another key moment in this conversation between Harry and Dumbledore is Nicholas Flamel.
1: As for the stone, it has been destroyed. Destroyed? said Harry blankly. But your friend, Nicholas Flamel, Oh, you know about Nicholas, said Dumbledore, sounding quite delighted. You did do the thing properly, didn't you? Well, Nicholas and I have had a little chat, and agreed it's all for the best. But that means he and his wife will die, won't they? They have enough elixir stored to set their affairs in order, and then, yes, they will die. Dumbledore smiled at the look of amazement on Harry's face. To one as young as you, I'm sure it seems incredible. But to Nicholas and Perenelle, it really is like going to bed after a very, very long day. After all, to the well-organized mind, death is but the next great adventure.
0: In addition to these books being about grief, I think, At their core they are also about the acceptance of mortality and that the people you love will die and that you will die and the people who come out ahead in this book are people who find a way to come to peace with that the defining thing about Voldemort is he doesn't want to die he doesn't think he should have to die and he's willing to go to any lengths to prevent himself from dying. The rules don't apply to him, and anything that will spare him that discomfort is worth it. Voldemort's concern is at once, it's petty, but it's the massive concern.
2: Well, it's interesting because this is such a cliche, but it's a cliche that's borne out in a fascinating series of ways in this book. Dumbledore's basic message to Harry is there are fates worse than death, And Voldemort is this living example of what exactly that means. The things that J.K. Rowling is preoccupied with are the power of love, the reality of our foreshortened time on this earth, and the importance of accepting and living with grief. And it's just insane that these are children's books. (laughs) But at the same time, if you were going to tell kids anything about the world, I mean, I think those would be the things. They're such fundamentally moral books.
0: Yeah. They never mince words about the fact that you will die and people you know will die. And right. if you don't find a way to be okay with that, that is worse than death. You'll live a half-life.
2: Right. and a cursed
0: ed- life. On right. a lighter note. Yeah, that was heavy. <laughs>
2: Um, and on a back to Dumbledore is an old bat note. <laughs> the House Cup gets awarded.
0: And Slytherin has won. Fair we,
2: and square. We think, Slytherin yeah, has fair won and square. fair and square.
0: And then Dumbledore says, time for some last minute points. psych." And it's a nice scene. We see Harry, Ron, Hermione recognized for they are excellent deeds. And then Neville.
2: Oh, Neville body count. Hermione. Oh, yeah, Fucks Neville up body his count. shit. <laughs> Hermione puts him in a full body bind
0: Hermione curse. owns Neville. And there's
2: this horrifying line where it's like he can't move his face at all, but you see his eyeballs darting back and forth in terror. <laughs> and you're like. God, Neville is. Okay, Neville is already a disturbed kid. Like, this is gonna. This is so bad for Neville's psyche, man.
0: <laughs> okay,
2: so anyway, Neville gets 10 points. Neville's wreck.
0: That's lovely, though, because nice. Dumbledore's no, it's right. It's very hard to stand up to your friends. For some reason, Harry gets 10 extra points than Ron and Hermione, despite the fact that. He literally faced Lord Voldemort.
2: Yeah, it feels like he should probably get more than ten more points.
0: What if they docked him points for accidentally killing a teacher?
2: That might also be fair. Also, that's
0: not addressed in Dumbledore's end-of-term speech. Oh, yeah, he's the like, you that-
2: might notice that Quirrell is absent. He has been murdered. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> by Harry
2: slash Voldemort. Double-teamed to them, murdered.
0: Also, Voldemort was in all your classes this year, so...
2: Well, everybody knows. Maybe
0: the board will be taking this up but anyway so Dumbledore awards more arbitrary house points and Gryffindor wins Gryffindor wins the house cup and it's just savage it's cold blooded they put the banners up like Slytherin is one Dumbledore snaps his fingers and they all change to scarlet and gold
2: if you want to radicalize someone <laughs> that's a pretty good way to start if you have already put all of your sociopaths in one house here are some tips for making sure that they are dark as the night is.
0: <laughs> yeah, if Slytherins didn't have a persecution complex already, double the worst sure
2: shit do now, <laughs> double them
0: or ripping the house cup out of their hands while the rest of the school cheers their downfall is a good way to do it.
2: Right, Also, they do not cheat to win. Like, also, they win.
0: Also, the house points are utterly arbitrary. They super are. Snape should just stand up and say, Okay, uh... 20 million points to Slytherin for getting fucked over by Albus Dumbledore right
2: also can't all the teachers award points (laughs) so what if Snape and Minerva McGonagall just stand up and just start screaming like 500,000 points to Gryffindor like
0: that's an
2: option and it's like Dumbledore um, is
0: either really psyched because he clearly loves conflict and adores drama or he thinks uh, or he says "Mm, this seems like a terrible system maybe it should be reformed except Dumbledore would never perform it. Dumbledore
2: anything. is fucking Joanne the Scammer. <laughs> he is a messy bitch who lives for drama. <laughs> Just, oh my god. So that actually brings us to some listener mail.
0: E-owls. Yeah,
2: we got an e-owl because as I expected, some of you are obviously Slytherin apologists. So here's an email from friend of the podcast, Michelle Monroe. In Phoenix. In Phoenix, Arizona. Hey, Misha. She says, this is also a hysterical email intro. You're
0: going to love it. E-owl. They're e-owls on this podcast. Sorry, e-owl.
2: In defense of Slytherin, says Misha. So, I'm sitting here eating birdie bots Every Flavor Beans, and I hit a pepper one, and it kicked me into gear. You're so cute, Misha. Harry Potter is written as third person limited. Harry is introduced to Slytherin early by Ron, who is clearly biased. Then, most of his interactions are with terrible people who happen to be Slytherin, but I think there has got to be more to that house. Slytherin is like the Republican Party, and Harry only meets the Donald Trumps. And they're stopping around yelling mudbloods are rapists and dyeing their skin orange. Who wouldn't be terrified of them? But the basis of the party, small government, fiscally conservative, is okay. It's just all the crazy fucks who join up. When I think of Slytherin, I think of cunning. Gryffindors would be George Washington continuing to fight the Redcoats. Slytherins would be Hamilton stealing cannons. Is it right? Is it moral? No! But it got the job done. Lincoln lied to Congress to get them to pass the 13th amendment. That is Slytherin as fuck. I don't think it's fair to say anyone who gets sorted into Slytherin at 11 years old is a horrible person. If anything they should all be assigned a guidance counselor like you suggested. They're going to be troublemakers, point them in the right direction. I just have to tell Misha I super duper agree with you. My quibble is not that all of these 11 year olds are sociopaths, it's that JK Rowling never shows us a Slytherin who is an Alexander Hamilton. I think you're super duper right, but I think this scene at the end is a really good example of how Dumbledore radicalizes Slytherin. Dumbledore makes sure that Slytherins do not feel like a full and equal part of the Hogwarts community, (laughs) and that is unfair of Dumbledore, and no wonder they all turn out to be fucking the worst. Because yeah, they all come in as sort of misfitty, too smart for their own good weirdos, and then they get told over and over again that they're evil, and like yeah, eventually you fucking become evil. So, thanks for the email, Misha. You're super right
0: one thing i would say is that gryffindors in a lot of ways i think are equally duplicitous dumbledore uses plenty of chicanery to accomplish his ends
2: and is a fundamental gryffindor so much that he has the sort of Godric rick gryffindor like dumbledore is the gryffindor
0: and then arbitrarily rips the house cup away from slytherin oh yeah so, no he hates you know. slytherin that's uh, not super fair hashtag headmaster bias yeah hashtag rig system
2: so who's your unsung hero
0: My unsung hero for these chapters is Hedwig. Hermione, after I guess she has to carry Ron out of the hallway of hell, sends Hedwig to intercept Dumbledore. If you're an owl, Flying to London is a big deal. I did a little, some back of the napkin calculations. So if we accept that Hogwarts is somewhere in the Scottish Highlands, it's about 550 miles from London. Hedwig, a snowy owl's top speed is 50 miles per hour. Probably couldn't manage that all the way to London. But even if she did, that's an 11 hour flight, which how long is Harry talking to Quirrell? Maybe what?
2: 20 minutes, 30 minutes. Yeah, maybe
0: if there's dialogue that wasn't included. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, the logistics of it doesn't make sense, but anyway, props to Hedwig for going fast as fuck after Dumbledore. Yeah,
2: Hedwig does a lot of heavy lifting in this book. Hedwig does a lot of unseen labor, I would say. <laughs> My unsung hero is Madame Pomfrey, who can clearly fix anything. Harry is inches from death at the hands of the greatest dark wizard of all time. And Madame Pomfrey is just like, lie very still. Here's like a tonic and some chocolate.
0: He's out for three days though.
2: Yeah, but she fucking fixes him. Yeah. She brings Neville back. I mean, countless times. (laughs) Madame Pomfrey is... Really an extraordinary physician. I'm very impressed by her skill. I also really like how she doesn't take any guff, including from Dumbledore. She's just like, you are freaking him out and you need to get out of here. Let's do some whole book unsung heroes, since now we're through the whole thing. Who's your unsung hero for this whole darn thing?
0: It feels basic, but probably Snape.
2: Yeah, he does not get sung as a hero much.
0: For reasons I discussed earlier, he's one of the only people who's on to Quirrell. He proves his Dumbledore loyalties and he hates Harry, but he tries to save him from falling off a broomstick and breaking his neck. So, yeah, you know, Snape does his job.
2: And you know what he does? He cares about the rules. He cares about learning. He's a really good teacher in that way. My full book Unsung Hero is Mrs. Weasley, who's actually offstage for the vast majority of the book, Mm -hmm. obviously. But she's really sweet to Harry, and she doesn't really need to be. I guess we find out later on that she knew Lily and James, so there's a reason. Also,
0: but she knows Harry's story, and she's one of the few people who were able to put Harry in context. We talked about him fame decontextualizing Harry. She understands that he's lost his parents. He's new to the wizarding world.
2: She's the only person who tells him how to get to platform nine and three quarters or get onto it. She sends him Christmas presents, which is a really moving moment. She, at the very end of the book, is like, have such a nice summer, dear.
0: And she greets Uncle Vernon, who immediately says, fuck you. Mild unsung hero to Vernon for actually showing up to pick up Harry.
2: So next week is going to be really exciting because we're starting a new book. We're going to be reading Harry Potter and the Chamber of Secrets, which, full disclosure, when I was a kid was my least favorite Harry Potter book. But I'm reassessing that.
0: Chamber of Secrets is an unsung hero in yeah, the Harry Potter it canon. Is.
2: It is an unsung hero. So the, the chapters we're going to read are The Worst Birthday, Dobby's Warning, and The Burrow.
0: This week's episode is brought to you by Birdie Bot's Every Flavor Beans. It's like Russian roulette. For your mouth.
2: <laughs> oh, why would you?
0: Why would you buy them? When he
2: eats an earwax one, it's just awful. It's just <laughs> awful, awful, awful. The audio clips that you heard this week from the audiobook are by Jim Dale's performance of Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone, available wherever you get audiobooks. Pottermore,
0: Audible, all the good stuff. All
2: the good stuff. We would really love it if you would do a couple of things for us. If you would subscribe to the Quibbler on iTunes. And if you would please, please, please rate and review the podcast. A huge help to us. We love reading reviews. We got a a couple of really nice ones this week. Shout out to some beautiful, sweet friends who wrote us some really nice reviews. So keep on coming. Dale Dallenberg. And Deb Price.
0: Yeah. Moms and dads. (laughs) Moms and dads. This (laughs) is the Harry Potter book club for moms and dads. Also, for bonus content, we have a newsletter also called The Quibbler. It's at tinyletter.com slash podcast. Sign up for updates, extra quibbles. A and, lot of uh, owl nudes. Alex, a lot of owl a lot of owl nudes.
2: Alex is gonna send you so much information about owls and it's gonna be great for
0: And you. it's one of the best ways to get in touch with us, because you can just hit reply and send us an e owl that way. Remind We're also at quibblerpodcast at gmail.com.
2: Can you remind me what a group of owls is called?
0: A group of owls is called a parliament. And if you've got the newsletter, you would know this by now.
2: On that note, see you next time.
0: Thanks, amigos. Ah, Bertie Both's every flavour
1: beans. I was unfortunate enough in my youth to come across a vomit flavoured one, and since then I'm afraid I've rather lost my liking for them. But I think I'll be safe with a nice toffee, don't you? Alas! Ear wax.